0: Hi everybody, I'm Hilda Flores and welcome to Ask the Reporter, the show where I flip things around and ask reporters of the Signal newspaper here on CSU Stanislaus's campus about stories that they wrote. So on today's show, we talk about Title IX and the workshop that everybody has to take and hopefully has already taken it because it's important. And then uh, I also switch things up a little bit and talk about Hispanic horror stories. And then, you know, we're going to end things off with a little bit of music and events. So stay tuned. So the first reporter that I talked to was Brittany Valadez. And she is one of the editors from The Signal who uh, covered the Title IX story. Okay, so you handled a lot of the um, information and the writing. How did you come up with the idea?
1: So originally we came up with the idea because there is a mandatory online sexual violence prevention training that was required for all students, and that was due on October 1st, so hopefully everybody did it, but that's initially what, you know, triggered our attention to this sensitive topic.
0: Who did you interview, and what did they have to say about the topic?
1: One of the people that I interviewed was Diana Torres, and she is the Haven Center Victim Advocate. And she shared all the services that the Victim Advocate offers, and those services are crisis counseling, advocacy, support, accompaniment to Cora Hospital, information about reporting options, and university resources. And she wanted the students to know that she will not disclose any information unless consent is signed, And she feels it's important to be aware that sexual violence does happen on college campuses. And another person that I interviewed was Julie Johnson, and she is the deputy Title IX coordinator slash interim executive in charge for the Division of Faculty Affairs and Human Resources. And one thing that she shared to victims of sexual violence is that you are not alone. And then the last person I interviewed was Meg Lewis, and she is the deputy Title IX campus and training program manager for Stan State. And what she wanted the students to know is that training is required for each school year, and it's required for everyone, including students and all employees.
0: And then for those that don't know, what is the title? What is Title IX? What is that?
1: According to the calstate.edu website, Title IX protects students, educators, and school employees against all forms of sex or gender discrimination, including sexual harassment, dating and domestic violence, other forms of sexual misconduct, stalking, and retaliation. And one student describes Title IX as being, quote, sexual education and no means no. And that was said by Lang Chang, who is a graduate student and a math major.
0: Did you learn anything while writing this article that you think is important for people to know and to understand?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I learned is how sexual violence actually affects the campus and the community. So one way that sexual violence can affect victims and the campus is that the dropout rate for victims of sexual violence is larger than non-victims. And I didn't know that prior to writing this article. And another thing that I learned, which is a quote from the University Police Department Lieutenant Matthew Dillon. He said, besides physical, emotional, and psychological trauma to the individual victim, the overall campus community can experience fear, apprehension, and anger when such an incident occurs. So it was really eye-opening to do all this research and interview all these people and just find out more about this topic.
0: So I also spoke to Tatiana, who was also involved in the Title IX story. She covered a lot of the interviews. So, um, hi, Tatiana. Could you please tell me um, how, who you spoke to and how they went and what they had to say?
2: All right. Well, uh, I first started off uh, studying in the Innovative Center, and I thought I might as well do some interview- interviews right there before I went out into the field. Um, so I talked, the first people I talked to were Blake Martin and Hudson Berdino, And uh, they were just sitting around studying, and I was like, can I interview you guys? And at first, they were joking, and they were like, no, we don't want to be interviewed. But then they came and sat with me, and um, they talked for a pretty long time, about 10 minutes about Title IX, and it was really informative, and they got quoted several times in the article. And then later on, I went out of the Innovative Center, and I saw students studying um, by Bazzini, and they sat kind of on the side of the building and i went up to one of the people studying and i was like can i interview you i'm sorry if you're studying and he's like yeah sure absolutely so i interviewed him real quick
0: so like what what did they have to say like what like those guys who were joking with you what did
2: they what did they tell you they said well first of all i asked them what do they think title 9 is and Blake said um well, I know that we have to take that interesting and he said it sarcastically, exam, as well as that course material that I did do the day before it was due. Um and then Hudson said, Not anymore. So in a in a way they're kind of joking with me, um, because I could tell that they weren't thrilled to take the uh the online training, but later on they kinda got serious and they said, We know it's really necessary and we understand Um, how serious this topic is and we're glad that this information is out there so even though they started joking around with me um, they on their own became more serious as they realized like the severity of the of the issue at hand and then when I left the same thing happened with uh, a couple others like I could tell that people were kind of not super thrilled to take the training Um, especially when I would run into, like, freshmen and upperclassmen because the freshmen didn't know what I was talking about. Um, But then the upperclassmen would be like, oh, well, this is what it is, and it takes forever to do and the freshmen were just looking at them like, oh. Uh.
0: Yeah, I remember. It, t- it says that it takes like an hour to do it. And it takes like double that time.
2: Yeah. I'm How- not
0: saying it's not important, but it is, it's lengthy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hudson, I think, said it took him an entire day to do the training because I know you can pause the videos. Mm-hmm. So it took him the entire day to do it. And then when I interviewed, um, I think it was Nicholas Butrika. he said, it's really long, but you know it's important because it's that long.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, did you talk to anybody else of, you know, anybody else interesting? <laughs> I went out into the quad and there was um, people from the, the education department. They were at their table and they kind of just saw me taking pictures and they said, hey, like, come over and take a picture of us. And I took that opportunity to ask them questions about Title Nine. And I said, well, what is Title Nine to you? And they said, um, it's, no means no, it's about uh, sexual harassment, and we know we have to take the, the training course. And then I asked them about the refresher, and they said that the refresher was necessary. Um, they think it's good that they should take it every year, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they're also glad that it's not as long as the original training. It's about uh, like a, maybe a quarter of the length, mm-hmm. almost like 30 minutes.
0: And then is there anything, um, so I asked Brittany this, but for you as well, because you're going to have a different answer, obviously. Uh, is there anything that you think that people should take away from this story? Or like, of course there is, but what do you think that thing is?
2: I think the main thing is, I know a lot of people are hesitant to take the online training, but ultimately everybody that I interviewed said it was necessary. And they, they understood that Everybody needs to be more informed about Title IX, about sexual violence on campus. Um, The fact that there were seven reported incidents in 2014 is really alarming. I didn't even know that. Um, So the fact that this article is being put out there and people are being uh, notified like this is a serious issue on campus, it'll just make them aware and they're going to look out for that. And now they uh, know about R.I.D., R.A.D. AD classes. What's that? Um, that would be the self-defense classes that the, that the university police holds. And um, they also have showings of the hunting grounds, and they also have um, a lot of resources on campus where people who are experiencing sexual violence can go in and get help. And I think that's the most important takeaway from this article.
0: Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Next, I have Clara Zapian, who is the writer of the Hispanic Folklore article that is going to be in the October print issue. So look out for that. So how did you come up with the idea?
3: I came up with the idea because it's close to Halloween and I always just thought of how these cultures came up with the ideas, just pretty much how they vary from different areas in general. So I thought it'd be cool to cover something that most of us on campus are used to knowing. And then um, who did you interview and what did they have to say to you? So I interviewed two people. I was originally only gonna interview um, Dr. Monica Flores. And then I actually also getting a sec- ended up getting a second interview with um, another professor here. Her name is Mirta Maldonado and they're right next to each other. Their offices are right next to Mm -hmm. each other. So that's how she heard what I was interviewing about. And then um, Dr. Flores said, oh, she'd be a really good person to interview for the Chupacabra story because she's from Puerto Rico and she told me that it originated there. So I'm like, well, this just turned into two interviews and it has more information. So that's who I interviewed. And I really like that it's both Hispanic, but, um, like Monica Flores, she's from Texas. And then, um, Nierta Maldonado is from Puerto Rico. So it's like two different. Versions.
0: Yeah. Can you tell me what the Chupacabra story
3: is? Okay. So, <laughs> the uh, way that Mirta Maldonado told me the Chupacabra story Wait, was. And this,
0: is this the Puerto Rican one? Yes, is, okay. this is the this Puerto, is the Puerto Rican one. Book.
3: Yes. So, she told me that it's nothing like the American one because the American one is more like kind of a dog or a wolf kind of creature, but then the Puerto Rican one is an alien. <laughs> yeah, or a pet of an alien. She says that's what they say there. Because Puerto Rico, yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's really cool. Because in Puerto Rico, I guess there's a lot of alien sightings. And she told me all about this, um, like, what are they called when it's, like, the bay and it goes down, like, underneath the water? I don't know. An anchor? No, no. (laughs) Not an anchor. No, it's like... um, just like underwater like the caves it's not the caves but it's just like really oh trench that's what it is a trench okay so she told me that the government like there's conspiracies that there's like aliens in the trench and stuff so they're saying that that's why it kind of got connected to alien stuff because um it doesn't look like a dog they say that it looks like an alien some of them people say that's green others say that it's brown and it's pretty much just this creature that they came up with because of this new story that came on about this farmer family who lost goats and chickens and they were dead obviously but they weren't tore up like any dog or something mm-hmm. would do it just had two clean teeth marks which was not what they originally thought some people thought she told me about this other thing it's really complicated she told me about this <laughs> other creature who they call the vampiro de moca which is a vampire that lived in, like, the plantain fields. But they were saying it couldn't be him because the vampire leaves four marks. Yeah, thanks for taking this topic very seriously, <laughs> just no, laughing no, at all the theories. Cool. But, yeah, they were saying that it was a vampire, but it couldn't be him because he left four marks and then the Chupacara left two. So that's how that started. It's just a being that sucks blood uh, out of animals. What's the...
0: Okay, so what's the name of it, then, in the Puerto Rican one? Because you said... Uh, like what's the name of it in
3: spanish el chupacabra it's the same thing it's the same thing thing, but just the essence of it is different like i said the ones that we hear here in texas and in california i think we've heard of some and then arizona it's people say that it could be mistaken for like a dog or a wolf with mange because that's what ours look like Mm -hmm. well in puerto rico it's an alien looking kind of thing it has a spine that goes all the way from like the top of his head to the (laughs) back which is like a dragon yeah (laughs) like a dragon it has spikes going down and it has two fangs and then big alien eyes so that's the difference
0: okay okay and then what did your other interview you have to say
3: la llorona or Uh, still about chupacabra uh
0: about the chupacabra
3: okay for the chupacabra that's what she told me that hers Mm -hmm. from texas the more of the hispanic twist on it is that it's just like a crazy creature mm-hmm. not an alien so it's just the opposite that's why i said it's more like a dog or it's been found that it's most likely some kind of wolf or any canine kind of dog that's sick and they mm-hmm. think that's what it is so that's the difference okay puerto rico alien mexico everywhere else. us okay. pretty much is dog coyote wolf kind of thing
0: Okay, and then what? what's your second story? La the, the Llorona? La
3: Llorona, yes. The Weeping Woman, um, that one I actually heard since I was little when I lived in Mexico. And I spoke to Monica Flores more about that one. And she had a lot to say about it, which was really interesting. So if you don't know the story, it's just, there's different variations, but basic outline. A woman kills her children. She drowns them in a river. These are great topics oh, to gosh. be talking about. <laughs> I just say it like, yeah, it happens every day. But she kills her children in the river. There's different variations as to why she did it. But now they use it kind of as a warning saying for kids to not go into like near bodies of water because the Yorona is going to take you. Because the thing is that supposedly you hear her yelling like in the middle of the night like, I'm So she's asking for her kids and they tell kids that she'll take you away if you are near the bodies of water.
0: Okay, did you talk to the other one about this? Like is there a different Okay, creation? she no,
3: she told me there is no yorona in Puerto Rico. Oh. That's not a thing, which I found crazy because when I spoke to Monica Flores about it, she says that the Texan version some of them even have horse heads. The woman has a horse head? <laughs> Yeah, it gets it gets crazy, and then she says that her mom's from Guadalajara, and over there, they say that the Llorona roams, like, the hills and the mountains, that she's not near the bodies of water. So there alone, it's already a different variation, and it's still in the same continent, for starters, but, and they're right next to each other, but it's different stuff.
0: Okay, and then, um, so, I mean, you obviously learned a lot just <laughs> from this, like, yeah. this is really great, but... Um, Like, is there anything that you kind of want, like, students to take out of this? Like, is it just, like, a
3: culture thing? I want students, if they could take anything out other than cool stories, it's just kind of to make you think about things that you've grown up with. And if you're interested about it, just to find more stuff about it. Because I know there's many more folklores or urban legends and stuff. And I just feel like when you find something like that, it makes you more in touch with your roots. So I just feel like become more in touch with your roots, even though this is a kind of a unique way to do it. I feel like that's a good thing because when I was learning about this, it brought up the fact that it's mostly prominent in Hispanic cultures because we see death differently, which is something Monica brought up, which I was like, whoa, my mind is blown because it's so true. And just the world of the supernatural is seen differently in that culture. So I think you could find unique things about your culture and it opens up a door to many other
2: all right. Well, thanks. <laughs> was, you're welcome. That was
0: really. That was. An, this was amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Continuing with things happening in October, I have KCSS's music director Mariah here to talk about the upcoming Trick or Beat concert.
3: Hey guys, I just want to let you know that there's a
0: concert happening. It's October 22nd, which is a Saturday, and it's going to be at the Grizzly Rock Cafe in Turlock. We've had a couple concerts there before, so there are going to be four bands that are going to be there. There's going to be Copple and 87, Ben from Outer Space, and the band formerly known as Fuchila. Uh, they're now Knight Rider, so they're going to be there as well. So definitely go and check that out, and we're going to have Koppel playing us out. Uh, thanks for listening to Ask the Reporter. Special thanks to the reporters who participated in today's episode, Brittany Valdez, Tatiana Oliveira, and Clara Zapian. Thanks, you guys.
2: the wreckage. I'm reminded of the message that you tried to send. But I was afraid, so I ran away. I tried to do-